We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, guys? This is the Uncontested Podcast, covering the Oklahoma City Thunder. This podcast is ran by Jacob, Nick, Justin, Taylor, and Kamiar. Listen to future episodes on your favorite podcast streaming service, like iTunes or Spotify. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating. This is Lou Dort. You're listening to the Uncontested What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. You can check out Blue Wire online at bluewirepods.com and on Twitter at bluewirepods. I'm your host, Jacob Niffin, and today I've got three of the four with me. Taylor, what's up? How about those Chiefs? Hey, Super Bowl, buddy. Congratulations. Super Bowl. That, uh, that Pat Mahomes run there in that second quarter was... Just absurd. Absolutely absurd. Pretty Guys, awesome. I have some bad news, though. Um, the last time one of the teams that I cheered for made it to the finals of a sporting event was the Oklahoma City Thunder in the NBA Finals back in 2012. We all know well, how that ended. Exactly. Hopefully this will end a little bit differently for you. But hey, kind of so. the same storylines as far as like, you know, their star is a, a young 23-year-old. and True. That's you know, a good point. They're, they're on, they, they've been on the trajectory last year. They almost made it. This year they did make it. It's, it's very... Very aligned that with that weird. thunder climb, isn't it? That's yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Uh, Kamiar's here. Uh, yeah, I'm here. That's me. And we have Nick. Maybe it's an unpopular opinion, but I think that Jim or that uh, Mahomes run was more horrible tackling than it was him being <laughs> spectacular. Scale. There was some awful tackling on that play for sure. So, guys, we are two and a half weeks away from the NBA trade trade deadline. We have also just crossed the threshold. Officially, we are in the second half of the NBA season now. We have over 41 games behind us. It's kind of hard to believe. Exciting. It's yep, flying it flew, by. Oh, flew by. So so quick. Seems yep. crazy. So, so we have some Thunder themes for you today. 
We're going to go around the association and do a midway point take it or leave it segment that I'm really excited for. And then, as always, we have something fun to wrap the podcast up with. But let's start with some of our Thunder themes. So the Oklahoma City Thunder go 2-2 two and two this week. They beat Minnesota and Portland. Uh, Portland last night, skeleton crew, right? Eight, eight players dressed out for Portland. One player, I didn't know who the dude was. Uh, I forget I his name, but, but I like legitimately had never heard of him before. Uh, they lose to Miami and Toronto. So two and two on the week. What are some themes from those games or some something else, some things, some themes or some things that you st- think stood out from those four? Nick, I'm going to start with you. Um... There wasn't a whole lot of fun things. I, I think the most fun thing for me, and this is probably pretty boring for, for most, but I, I've i enjoyed watching Baisley grow as a player. Yes. It seems like every every game he's doing something different that kind of stands out, which is not a bad thing. But uh, I'm kind of to the point in this season where I'm – I'm looking at the small things that may not stick out as much, like more individualized things the young guys are doing than the team as a whole. And I've I've really enjoyed watching Baisley kind of uh, develop as a whole. Hey, that kind of culminated last night with Baisley getting the start and pulling in a career-high 13 rebounds. Nine points, 13 rebounds. He had a monster block. Um, on on white side. Yeah, which is awesome. I'm, and I'm really glad you mentioned that, Nick, because that's actually something I brought up in my post-game podcast from last night. Um, and I actually said, said something very, very similar to where it's fun just to watch Baisley on a nightly basis because I, you can literally see his development and see him grow mature. Um, obviously, that outside jumper and his jump shot still needs work. But if he can hone that in and can continue to develop a jumper, I mean, I think or a reliable jumper, he's going to be an incredible player. Um, just the way he's already rebounding at his size and at just with his inexperience and being able to do that and, and time those, those blocks and uh, his defensive instincts. I'm really excited. And obviously his passing continues to be uh, really impressive as well. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I, I've literally said something very similar where you almost can see the growth on a nightly or gamely basis. Call me or any themes jump out to you. I sometimes found myself being really frustrated by Shay. Just like, he gets the ball at the very top of the perimeter, and he has so much space and time to maybe shoot a three. That would be uncontested. And uh, yeah, uncontested. I know. I, I know. And uh, and he, like you can tell, he thinks about it for a second, and then he's like, "Oh crap!" And then he passes it to Chris Paul instead. So that's 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 kind of frustrating me just by looking at it. It's like just shoot the damn ball. Like you're open. And literally nobody is about to contest your shot, and like that's that's something that he needs to do. Like in the future, he's not gonna have a Chris Paul or Dennis Shooter to pass it to when he's wide open, and people are giving him space. And he's not Russell Westbrook, so like if people are gonna give you space, shoot the dang ball because there's yep. more likely chance you're gonna make it. And he's gonna be he's gonna have to take a lot more shots probably next year, so he needs to get used to it. I'm with you on that one, and Shea shoots a really good percentage off catch-and-shoot threes. He's at like 45% on catch-and-shoot threes, so I see that a lot too. He's he's kind of hesitant to to pull that trigger, and I wish he would he would fire it more often. Uh, my I have two themes for you guys. The first one is in the losses this week, this team just comes out flat. They come exactly. out unaggressive. 
uh, non-physical, and just kind of get bullied for the first quarter. We saw it with Toronto, and then the very next game we saw it with Miami, where they kind of just got their ass beat in the first quarter. And and so that's that's a little concerning. We then flip side of the coin see Chris Paul come out against Portland, uh, very aggressive, especially offensively and looking for his own shot, and and it kind of set the tone for the team. So I I think aggressiveness is definitely a theme this week. The other one I was just looking this up for the first thirty nine games of the season, Shea Gilgis Alexander had three games where he got five or more assists. He had two five-assist games, one six-assist game. That's pretty crazy. Now, his last four games, his lowest assist total is five. He's got a five, a six, an eight, and a ten-assist game. So something we've we've talked on this podcast a lot about Shea's vision and being more of a point guard and, and trying to find his teammates and, and getting that passing game better. And he is his lowest assist game in the past four has been the Portland game where he had five assists. Besides that, he's had he had six against Toronto, eight against Miami, ten in that massive triple, triple double, double game yep. against Minnesota. On on the note of your first theme, um, kind of something that's developed over the course of the year. If you remember at the beginning of the season, it was the third quarter Oklahoma City struggled in. Um, I guess my only takeaway from that is like, yes, it's been flat in the first quarter, but if there's any quarter you're going to struggle in, you would probably prefer it be the first. So you have a lot of time to chip back away and get back in games because early, early in the yep. season, it was like, no matter if you were ahead or behind, they would have an awful third quarter. And then you have, you know, very few minutes, very few possessions to kind of get yourself back in the game. So if there's going to be a quarter you struggle in, I guess the first quarter would probably be the best. Yeah, that's an interesting one. But also flip side of that coin, Nick, if you struggle that first quarter, especially defensively, you get a, uh, the opposing team in a rhythm early on, and that rhythm and can ride, can ride the, the length of the game as well. Right? That's a really so, good point. Now, Jake, you, you, I actually was going to bring that up as a theme as well. And uh, you mentioned Chris Paul coming out last night and being more aggressive during that fourth or that first quarter. And I was, I also was going to mention that because Eric Horn had a really good stat. Um, or I guess he was the one that I saw who tweeted this stat out. But Chris Paul had ten of the Thunder's for, uh, Thunder's twenty points in the first five and a half minutes of the game. He was four four from the field, which is kind of the complete opposite of what we've seen from Chris so far this season where a lot of people have, uh, have mentioned this, but he seems to almost just kind of like take the game in and analyze it for the first like three quarters. And then he just, he knows where to get his shot in the fourth and in clutch time and is able to kind of take over. Um, and that's, so that's something different compared to what we've seen so far this season that he came out and did yesterday, uh, which I really appreciated because he actually mentioned that after the, after the Miami game um, Friday night where he yeah. said, you know, we, we've got to do a better, better job coming out. Um, strong to start instead of you know getting behind in the first quarter and, and if you remember in the in the nick collison interview we had he, he kind of mentioned that with chris he was like he, he kind of lets the game come to him he facilitates he 
gets uh, others involved. He gets others involved, and then his time to shine is really late in the game, which right. which goes to show, considering he's leading the league in, in clutch time points, uh, you know, some of these fourth quarter statistics, he's one of the best in the league. So I think that's that is something interesting that you see a game in which Chris Paul comes out aggressive early rather than letting the game come to him and then finding his shots late in the game. Definitely, right. and and after the game against Portland, Billy Donovan spoke on that a little bit and said a few things that I think kind of kind of relate to that. The first one being that Chris shoots a very high percentage because Billy thought that he has great self-control in the shots that he takes. Sometimes Chris will catch the ball and be open with 16 minutes or 16 minutes, 16 seconds left on the shot clock. Uh, but won't take the shot because it's a shot. It, it's too quick. It, he's not comfortable. He's not set up and ready. That he's very selective in his shot selection, and so that's part of the reason why he, why he's so uh, efficient. And then another thing was that Chris just has this uncanny ability of making timely plays, whether it's hitting a basket to end a run, uh, or or hitting a basket to to shift momentum or start a run or or getting a, a key steal or a defensive possession or a defensive stop that he just has this uncanny timing and ability that is really impactful and, uh, and, and can swing momentum in a big way during games. And so yeah. I think all of that kind of culminates in, in what we saw out of his aggressiveness last night. Did you and and Jacob? I know you. This is one of the things when you evaluate players, look at guys in the league. You're 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 big on the, you know, points per field goal attempt. Did you notice how many shots it took Chris to have thirty against the Blazers? Was it fifteen? Fifteen. That's that's yep. wow. extremely efficient. Yeah. You know well, shit, dude. The other night to get nine points. Yeah. <laughs> like thirteen shots. Yeah. Was, like was it thirteen, 13 shots. shots for Melo to get nine points? The other night against Minnesota. Gallo had 30 on 12 shots. That's insane. Which is just stupid. Insane. Yep. You know the free throw line obviously helps a lot with that, but but yeah, that's uh it's incredible, man. So, I I I think those are some good themes though. I'm interested to see if those continue on through this next week. So, the Thunder have a Martin Luther King Day matinee 4 p.m. tip down in Houston. And then they stay on the road, go to Orlando come back home to take on Trey Young and the Hawks and then they will end the week Saturday night up in cold Minnesota to take on the Timberwolves that four game stretch I want to know what you guys think the record will be uh, after that well not after this week but their record this week those four games uh, Kamiar what are you going with so they're going to lose at Houston uh, they're going to win in Orlando, win versus the Hawks, and then they're going to win at Minnesota because they're miserable. Something that's really interesting <laughs> is that the ESPN says OKC's playing at Minnesota January 25th, but the Thunder in this little spreadsheet schedule they give you, they say they're playing Charlotte the 25th. Huh. Interesting. Oh, that's weird. Look at you look look at your phones, pals. It says Charlotte the twenty fifth. So Very I was taken off guard, but yeah, I still think I think three and one is definitely doable. That's what they should do because they're better than four, three of those teams. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised with two and two. Okay, Taylor, do you agree with that? Yep, I was gonna say I was going three and one with a loss tomorrow in Houston, which means that 
uh, the Thunder will probably end up beating Houston and losing to a random team like Orlando uh, or the Hawks in there and winning the other two. <laughs> Nick? All right, good talk, Nick. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that input. I'm, I'm going to be – I'm sorry. I'm going to be less <laughs> less optimistic. Um, I think they're going to go 2-2. Two and two. Um, you know, on the road this season, they're 10 and 10, they're 500. So I'm going to stick with that theme and go 500 considering three of those games are on the road, I believe. Yep. So, All right. Yep. And so, so are you taking loss to the Rockets and I'm going to say Rockets magic. They're going to, they're going to lose the next two and then finish out the, the four game stretch beating the Hawks and the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves. We're, we'll get to this in a second, but the Timberwolves picked up Alan Crab, right? Was that hey. who they got in that Atlanta trade? Do they have crabs? Does he have crabs? It was Alan Crusty Crab. Crusty Crab right. is unfair. Because mm-hmm. Mr. Crabs is in there. <laughs> I forget what the rest of it is. Good reference. Um, uh, but oh, they, they traded for, for Alan Crab, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, he doesn't scare me very much. If, if they have Alan Crab. Uh, in their rotation and Shabazz Napier as their starting Sorry, point, point guard, uh, I feel I feel pretty okay. Agreed. So so I think I'm going to go three and one as well with the loss, the matinee loss to the Rockets down in Houston tomorrow, especially after the Thunder beat the brakes off Houston here just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this may be a, a bit of a payback game. Right. So uh, especially if we don't know the availability of Terrence Ferguson yet, but if Ferguson can't go. Uh, Harden becomes a yep. much, much more difficult cover. I was going to say, he's going to go off. For this Thunder team. Um, I don't know. Maybe Harden will go to the strip club uh, Martin Luther King Day morning. So, uh, that's one <laughs> way to... Lucky. Yeah, he was coming to, off a uh, back-to-back in Atlanta King, right? um, when he came to OKC, and so that might have helped us out a little bit. Yeah, maybe. So the Thunder have eight games left until the trade deadline. So I want to know what your guys' thoughts are as the deadline looms closer, we now have our what our third trade of this season just recently went down. With the deadline two and a half weeks away, essentially, what direction do you think the the Thunder are going to go? Will they be buyers? Will they be sellers? Or are they going to stand pat? I kind of feel like they're going to be a kind of a, I guess what I'll call a low-key buyer. Meaning that, you know, when the season first started, I thought it was going to be a crazy uh, trade deadline for the Thunder where they're trying to ship off Shooter and Gallinari, uh, maybe even Chris Paul. And now, you know, we were just going through this. Nick had a really good tweet kind of listing those next uh, eight games before the trade deadline. You know, I think we said that they could go three and one this week. And the last four games, uh, they have Mavs, Kings, Suns, Cavs. They could easily win another three of those potentially. So then you're looking at a team who's, if not in the sixth spot, you know they're continuing to improve and climb the rankings. That's really hard to ship some of those guys out or trade some of those guys out. Um, and I thought Steve Kyler at Steve Kyler NBA had a really good tweet today. Somebody asked him about OKC, and uh, Steve said they know they are sort of stuck in the ugly middle. So making the postseason has value. And in parentheses, he said, obviously, the money you know that you make from the revenue, from the playoffs. But then he said it's also good for their youth. They have to age out some of their ugly money. So meaning you know the CP3 contracts and uh, even Stevens' contract to an extent. I kind of expect them to go and try and find a another piece to kind of help them uh, immediately this season, maybe in the playoffs, and then look to flip that piece again this summer when they officially start to rebuild. 
I think that's an interesting take. Call me how do you feel? How do you feel? It would make a lot of sense if the Thunder traded off a lot of guys or maybe just Danilo Gallinari and then had to make the playoffs with what they had down the stretch. I mean, I mean, if they can go 8-2 and two or 6-2, and two, whatever it was, over the next uh, however many games till the deadline, that puts them at 31-22. and 22. And then really, I mean, looking at who's at number 8 and looking who's at 9, OKC yeah. realistically only has to win like 10 games after the trade deadline to actually make it into the playoffs. So That's a good point. That's um, a really good cushion. I, th- I think that there's a, a really good chance that OKC does make the playoffs. I think they'll sell off Gallinari. Um, I mean, if the if the price is that high for Trevor Ariza or Bazemore or whatever you're looking at, what P- Portland just did, which is unreal to me. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering what a price for Dennis Schroeder would be or a price for Danilo Gallinari would be because those guys are definitely gettable contracts and those guys are, you know, players that are in high demand. You have a, you know, a very efficient shooter um, and then you have a guy that's sixth man candidate of the year who's a slasher who's had the best year of his career so far as he's given freedom. So I think I think that, you know, they're going to make the playoffs. I think it would be beneficial for them to make the playoffs. Of course, not get like above the sixth seed or anything. But, you know, if Danilo Gallinari and Dennis Schroeder get traded, you don't have to worry about that. Um, but we'll see what happens. But I really think they're going to be uh, selling uh, for the future, getting draft picks and returns. Because, again, like, I think Danilo Gallinari and Schroeder at this point demand, you know, at least first rounders and maybe, or just maybe some youth. And then. The Lakers, they they wish so much that Kyle Kuzma made more money because they would rather trade him off for some assets instead of what they were get, what they're getting from him. Because I True. Just, Kuzma or not really Kuzma, but not the Lakers, not the Lakers ownership, but LeBron just I don't think they vibe well with Kuzma that much, and I think they want some more veterans uh, to win a couple of rings in a row. I don't think Kuzma's part of the plan there. Yeah. So Kamiar, I love what you just said about. The Thunder being sellers yet still making the playoffs. I think that is like Presti's wet dream. That's what the yeah. Clippers did last year. Yeah. Exactly. No, you're exactly one hundred percent right. Yep. I think his wet dream is to to sell, sell off Gallinari, sell off Dennis Schroeder, but have the big enough cushion to still make the playoffs, get that experience, have that scrappy squad that's that's kind of ran by the young guys and Chris Paul. But still make the playoffs even after selling. And and I'm right there with you. If I have to put my money on one or the other, I'm putting my money on selling. Because one thing that I feel like through experience for the past, what, 12 years that we've learned from Sam Presti is that he sticks to the plan. Yeah. Right, that's right now plan. you look at Atlanta. Atlanta's plan was to tank, get high draft picks, good players, and and let those guys develop. And you can already see they they are veering off course from that plan. They're already talking about trading for Andre Drummond and getting Trey Young some help and and possibly dealing draft picks and blah blah blah. Like their ownership is already upset and and they have to veer off track and they're trying to to kickstart the rebuild, which isn't the way to go. And Presti has a great relationship with the owners, and he has always stayed on track with the plan instead of. Uh, trying to to skip steps. I mean, shit. In his op ed, he said, I think like verbatim, the idea of skipping steps and and quick fixes will be there. It takes patience 
and and like termination to avoid those. Right. He's not going to skip those steps. The steps are break it down and build it back up with the young guys. And so my bet is on selling as well. One thought I had, I, I was going to mention to you, this to you guys as a talking point before we start the podcast, but I decided to hold on to it. So we know that Minnesota has made that trade that sent Jeff Teague out. They're currently starting Shabazz Napier as their starting point guard. Uh, pro tip in the National Basketball Association, you should not be starting Shabazz Napier as your starting point guard. Remember no when we then, wanted Shabazz Napier so bad and we ended up with Mitch yeah. McGarry? Yeah. <laughs> yep, I remember that. Their backup point guard is their rookie small forward, Jarrett Culver. So they're in need of a point guard really badly. Right, they they made that trade to open up the extra roster spot, and it came out in the athletic very shortly after that they are still dead set on D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, they said they right. wanted a young point guard. They've already reached out to one of the holidays, and now they're like dead centered on you know on D'Lo. I think it's I think it's really interesting. I, I, yeah, I, so. I just don't I don't see them looking for Dennis Shooter. Dennis Shooter is entering in his – he's already in his prime. I think they want a guy that's still young that they can still, you know, put guys with. Like, D'Lo and Cat make sense. Or one of the holiday boys that are young and Cat makes sense. But Dennis Shooter and Cat, that doesn't make sense. And also it's just funny yeah. that um, t- uh, Jeff Teague lost his job to Dennis Shooter again, if that would be the case. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. So, so but where I was going with that, and, and Kamir, I think you, you provide a really good point there, like – Schroeder's timeline probably doesn't match up with them. And if they can't trade for a young guard, the 2020 draft is full of young guards. But the the inside of that organization, like what if, just like we talked with the Hawks, what if there's pressure from Wolves' ownership on their new GM? Hey, we got to kickstart this thing. We got to get going. Cat's angry. Wiggins is angry. Our fan base is angry. We haven't made the playoffs except for that one year with Jimmy Butler. And what if they try to keep talking a D'Angelo Russell deal and Golden State doesn't budge and it's 30 minutes till the deadline and they call the Thunder and they just say, hey, two years of Dennis Schroeder, right. we'll do it because we need something to make a push to get our fans at least a little bit excited and to, to quench the and, thirst of our owners. And by like that, That's where that I think maybe an opportunity guard. is, you know, right. like – Find that ownership group, that fan base group, that general manager that has that desperation and then prey on that. No, I, I think you're exactly right. I, it's a really good point that um, you bring up Shooter only having two years left on his deal. It's almost like a little bit of a stopgate and it buys you a little more time, like you said, either to find a point guard in the draft or maybe be able to work out a trade later on uh, for D'Lo that works for both sides. Um, I saw it earlier that they were linked to Dennis Smith Jr. as well. Um, so they're obviously trying to go for some youth, but... I'm with you. I think if they can't find the right deal, Shooter makes a whole lot of sense there, at least for this season and next. So I've I've got a kind of a different viewpoint on this. So everyone talks about, and including myself, is Oklahoma City going to be a buyer or a seller? And you don't necessarily have to be either, right? You could right. You could make a trade where – technically you're selling off a guy like Gallo and then also like being a buyer at the same time. So for example, and I'm glad you guys in the last pod that I missed mentioned this kind of guy, like, like an Aaron Gordon. Um, so 
an example of this. This I don't I don't know if this works exactly money wise, but it's pretty close. So if you if you shipped a Gallinari and a Ferg to the Magic for an Aaron Gordon, I don't know if you could really say Oklahoma City was a buyer or a seller, right? That's a move where yeah, you sold off Gallo and Ferg, but you also got a guy in Aaron Gordon that um, could have similar production. Uh, but is in a, on a different timeline, I guess you could say. So I, I could see, and, and kind of similar to what Kamiar was saying, where you, you, you're you technically a seller, but you still make the playoffs. A trade like that, I don't know if you could say Oklahoma City was a buyer or a seller. It was more of a shifting shifting the timeline to fit the team better. Right. Would that's, you that's keep really Aaron Gordon on the team, or is he just a piece for you to sell off later? Because I mean, he's 24, dude. I really yeah, don't like his game, he and he's a shitty version of Blake Griffin. The, the thing with Gordon also is he's got two years left. So, like, do you think you can get him to, to stay long-term? Because I don't think this team is interested in in trading for a guy that can just be here for two years. I think they're interested in trading for guys that have controllable contracts moving forward. So there's, a, there's an interesting balance there as well as far as, like, how they make that work. Right. Um, but I mean, it, it's not necessarily like Aaron Gordon I, specifically. I, 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 I was, yeah, I wasn't saying Aaron Gordon specifically. But there's a lot of trades like out there where Steven you can. Stephen Adams you can, going to the Hawks. You want one of Cam Reddish or right, John Collins right. in return, which you, is you, a high asking price. I realize, but just as an example, you, yeah, you could, exactly. You could make a trade where it's like I don't really know if you considered them a buyer or a seller at the deadline. It was more just shifting, shifting your your timeline on contending and, and coming back from your rebuild without losing a ton of production. It's not like a, yeah, I would consider a seller. You ship off Gallinari to, to for picks for, yeah, for, exactly. for, for salary filler and a first round pick. Whereas it may not be that it may be more of a, you ship off a Gallinari or Schroeder and you get back a guy that averages 14 or 15 a game. And yeah, you're losing two, three, four points per game, but in realistic, like you're not, necessarily selling you're right gotcha i like that I, I think it's a good point yeah it's an interesting thought um any other thunder trade thoughts before we we move over to around the association it blows my mind that they would maybe trade steven adams um yeah it's the it's the contract and i get it but he's not he's really just now about to enter his prime and i think he'd be a perfect fit culturally um play style and everything else with especially with billy donovan to really usher in that new era of thunder basketball and so it, it kind of it doesn't i mean it upsets me just because like we're all big fans of steve but right i really don't like the idea of them shipping him off because i think he means a lot to the team like you guys saw what happened when it was just nerland's playing and he, Steve, is clearly a defensive anchor for this team, and he means a lot more to the team's success than I think a lot of people will, like understand. And I'm not saying like, oh, the average fan doesn't know what they're looking at, but I'm saying like, well, I mean, like he does a lot of things that go unnoticed that aren't in the box score. Um, so that's that's uh, that's pretty on prominent and off the court. Yeah, and like yeah, and people are like league wide are like looking at his contract not just Atlanta, like maybe thinking, oh, he's the most gettable because OKC are being are kind of sellers or, you know, they don't don't really know what they want. And so, like, that's the reason why there are a lot of rumors out there because he is gettable and he is a good center. And 
well, hell, now like what is he averaging? A, isn't he averaging a double double now with like three assists? That seems that seems like what he's getting like every game. Anyways. Yeah, I think he's right around there, like fifteen, ten, and three. Yeah, somewhere somewhere around there. Like he's just he's so good, and I mean, it's it sucks to say that we didn't see how good he was until Russell Westbrook left. That now he's actually running in a system of Billy Donovan, where he's asked to handle the ball, pass, assist, do a lot of other small things, and also. Quite frankly, as three-point guards, not just one, but three-point guards that actually defend, so it doesn't sacrifice and um, his everything he did on that possession. So now you're getting getting to see everything he has offensively, defensively, and you're seeing him improve. So um, it blows my mind right now that they would think about trading him, uh, just because like what he means to the team, what he means to the culture, and what he can mean to, for the future. But business is business, I guess. That's the only only I, other I don't... thing I have to say. I don't want to jump into a rabbit hole, but just kind of a thought that I've had. Is anyone else shocked that we haven't heard any Nerlens Noel trade rumors? Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I, I, it, it, that's an, he also has a no trade clause, so oh, right, that might have but, a little bit to do with it. But, but I mean, a, a lot of teams could use a backup center, and and I don't think that Nerlens would necessarily waive that to get out of Oklahoma City. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's intri- no. I, I think, think Nerlens is getting paid next. Yeah, summer. I think I think that's part of the reason why. I think he came back with that contract because instead of like going and being like a backup center somewhere else or getting whatever minutes, he's getting like significant minutes on the team. Like Stephen Adams, like his minutes went from like last year like over thirty something to now it's like twenty six, and Nerlens is getting around twenty something as well, and he's showing out big time. Like this is the. the the all of the auxiliary pieces around Russell Westbrook now look much better in this system, and he looks really, really good. Nerlens does, and um, so instead of the one million dollars he's going to make, you know, this year, I feel like he's going to make more than twelve mil next year. And because yeah, it's, and look at the free agency class. Yeah, the free agency summer. market is not too hot, so I, I really don't think that's going to be the case. And OKC is a great place for him to showcase that, and I think that's one of the reasons why he came back is because they're gonna. They said, "Hey, we're gonna give you a lot more minutes. They're gonna rest Steve a lot more, and we're gonna show what that you can do." And it's clearly paying off for him, and he's gonna get paid this summer. So I'm, I'm not really surprised about that, but I am surprised that there haven't really been any trade because we've seen trade rumors about Chris Paul at the beginning, not really now. You've seen trade rumors about Stephen Adams. Uh, you haven't really seen these trade rumors about Danilo Gallinari besides the one Thunder fans made up about Kent Bazemore, which is completely down the toilet. <laughs> and then you haven't seen trade rumors about Dennis Schroeder. So it's really just been focused on really Steve and, and then Chris Paul once the Russell Westbrook stuff went down over the summer. Yeah, definitely. Um, one thought. So if the Thunder do, not do, if they could trade Dennis Schroeder to the Timberwolves, as a stopgap for, let's say, Gorgie Dang and a 2022 first-round pick, then this summer they could deal Schroeder plus Covington plus their 2021st for D'Angelo Russell, and the money matches up nearly perfectly. That's interesting. I would want it just to makes well too much sense. Yeah. I'd want to I'd want to trade an extra piece and get back Robert Covington with that first-round pick, so you can flip Covington for a future first-rounder. Yeah, I think that's also a possibility. It's an interesting one. Well, as we're starting to move into a little more league-wide stuff, why don't we uh, take a trip around the association? I don't even know where you're sitting at.
Well, gentlemen, as we had mentioned multiple times, another trade has happened yesterday afternoon, Saturday afternoon. The Portland Trail Blazers sent out Kent Bazemore, Anthony Tolliver, and two second-round picks for Trevor Ariza, uh, Wenyan Gabriel, I think that's how you say his name, and Caleb Swanigan. Initial thoughts on this move, Nick? I I think we're all kind of in the same boat here. We as, as soon as it came out, you know, the initial the initial breaking news tweet, which is kind of weird now that news comes out on Twitter, uh, just said that Baysmore had been moved, and all of us thought it has to be right for um, and why Dwayne, Dwayne, Dedman. Dwayne Dedman. And that, that made it made too much sense. My initial it made too much was, sense. Looks like OKC is gonna win tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but but no seriously it was like holy crap this is Dwayne Dedman trade it all makes makes sense the salaries match up he wants out and then it was this random just group of guys sending out second round picks and I get like second round picks are not a huge deal these days but like what what was the the thought process behind that like seems like a huge overpay for a guy like right, Trevor Ariza, but right. then Woj comes out and tweets that essentially it was a way for them to get under under the tax. So may, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, not quite under the tax, but it trimmed like twelve million tax dollars. Okay, so they're getting closer. So I guess you're also paying for that. So that leads me to a question I have for you guys as well. If they are moving in that direction, are they doing that because they're looking to acquire somebody else to be a buyer again and get a player that can kind of help Dame and CJ and, and give them a big playoff push? Or are they essentially just kind of punting on the season and hoping that Nurkis just gets healthy and whatever happens, happens, and they get under under the tax? It's hard to say. Like, is this a precursor for another move, right, where they're, they're still going to try to make a push? Or are they just punting uh, because their their season is awful and if they're just punting, you know, I wonder how uh, Dame and CJ, who, you know, just signed, both just signed extensions recently and are are here. I, I tweeted this earlier today. They made the Western Conference Finals last year. Right. And they are now, like, With on the verge of not court. making the playoffs this year unless they make a win-now move. And so... I don't know. To me, this almost screams like the punting of the season, and that is very surprising. Now, obviously, injuries have completely derailed them, and I understand that, uh, and and I get where they're coming from. But holy crap, Like this is not what I think everybody expected them to be buyers and, and to try to improve their team moving forward, not sellers. And so it's a surprise to me for sure. Yeah, no, I'm I'm exactly with you. It was a it was a strange strange trade, but there's got to be like a secondary move, and and maybe it's not as big so, as like they're 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 maybe gonna move like a CJ McCollum type move to to build for the future if they have thrown in the towel. But you've got to think that something else is brewing up within the organization after that kind of trade. So Bobby Marks, speaking of that, Nick, that's a, re- a really good point. Bobby Marks had a tweet uh, saying that this deal technically can't go through until t- this coming Tuesday um, because one of the players, either like Wayne Gabriel or somebody, something to do with their deal, essentially they would have to wait until Tuesday for the, the transaction to go through. So I think 
if they are going to have another move, we'll probably start to hear whispers of them being active again um, here over the next week or so once the steal does officially happen. How many how many days until the next trade? You guys think we've had we've had two now in in the last week or so. How long? It, I mean, trade deadline is in. I mean, what two weeks or so? How long until yep. you think we get another? And the trade? trade deadline is on a Thursday. So do we get another trade before trade deadline week? I, until I, that Monday, I, or, I think probably. Or, one or, or, I think we do. We do. Not get anything until that week. I think we. I think we get a trade prior to that week. I. It may not be a huge trade, but historically, there's always yeah. quite a few before that week. I, I think there there'll at least be one. It's uh yeah, it's gonna be fascinating. We'll see. So we are officially past the halfway point of the season. Forty one plus games in the book. It, it feels wild that we're halfway through. It feels like the Definitely. season's just started. I feel like I'm still getting to know this Thunder team. Uh but halfway point of the season is here. And so guys, I thought we would do a little bit of midway point take it or leave it. So this is going to be really simple. I'm just simply going to make a statement. And I'm going to have one of you guys tell me if you're either, quote, taking it, which means you're, you're, you're riding with it, or you're leaving it thinking that it's, it's not going to happen or it's not going to sustain itself. Easy enough? Love it. All right. Well, let's throw some, uh, some music on behind here and get this going. Uh, Nick, I'm coming with you with the first one. Take it or leave it. Memphis makes the playoffs. They're currently the eighth seed in the West. They are a half game up on the Spurs. I'm going to leave it, and it's not because of the Spurs. That's an interesting team that you would think might jump in and take that eight seed. I'm still in the camp that thinks the Pelicans with them having the easiest schedule the remainder of the way, plus Zion coming through. He's obviously not going to play a ton plus of minutes they've started initially. To turn it around. They're they playing have. Good basketball. They're playing great, and and he may not play back-to-backs and, and some, some big minutes early, but everything's kind of trending up for the, the Pelicans. I think they snagged that eight seed. Interesting. Call me our Taylor. How do you guys feel about that? You, you agree with Nick that Memphis will not make it? Or are you guys going a different direction? I personally don't care. I just want to watch John Morant play more basketball because he's so good, True. and I would give all my picks for him right now. That move where he like brought it oh back gosh, to like tomahawk it on on Larry Nance Jr. and then at the peak of his jump turned and went behind the back. Just dirty. That's dirty. insane. Remember Next when level. OKC got the really crappy point guard from Murray State? Yeah. Shout out campaign. Playing hey, right campaign now. made a cameo in the Russell Westbrook tribute video. He did. Good for, got a video good of him for Cam. That's the highlight of Cam's career real, right there. Dancing with Cam. Russell Westbrook. That's that's it. I I, I was so high on campaign. Taylor wrote an article I, about I how did. high he was on campaign. I was on he's, the Cam train. I'm high on He's currently train. playing. He's playing right now for the Shanghai Lungs. Yeah. yeah. Over in, Early, over in China. the season. He was playing for the Toronto Raptors. G League team. G League team yeah. Um, but yeah, no no longer with them. Uh, Kamiar, you get the next take it or leave it. This one's a very simple, straightforward one. Kevin Love will get traded by the NBA trade deadline. Yeah, he's going to – I'm going to take it. He's going to get traded. He doesn't like being there. Uh, they don't want him there. And if you pay attention at all, 
Cleveland like waved and like signed a bunch of like whatever guys to make room for something that will not have Caleb on that team. Do you think uh, what what kind of return do you think he'll get as far as like what what's Cleveland getting in return? Are they going to be able to get a, a high quality young guy? Are they going to be able to get a first round pick? I think they might get like a first round pick and a couple expirings or a first round pick and like an expiring and a vet. I don't know, but I just know he's going to be gone. He it just he's going to be gone. He's gonna, he's going to be gone. It almost feels like a Reggie Jackson, Oklahoma City situation. I want... Yeah, that's a good one. I want them to get... Somehow get that man down to Houston. Uh, reunite him with Russ. Reunite That'd him with cool. Russ. And that system with Russ Harden and Caleb would be so stupid offensively. Now, defensively, it would be just god-awful. <laughs> they would be really they, bad. They would be putting up like 140 a game every night. So, like, I would be looking forward to that. And Caleb, it's, like, of course, like, a 10 times better version of what Ryan Anderson was. And Ryan Anderson got buckets in that system. So, True. I would like to see what Caleb could do with the Rockets. But, of course, I just don't think the Rockets have the money to make it. Because aren't they hard-capped? The Rockets aren't hard-capped. Hard they just don't have salary matching. Okay, yet. yeah. So, because like, everything's so top-heavy. Uh, but, yeah, and nobody wants that. And, oh, who's, who's, who has Ryan Anderson's contract now? Isn't it the Suns? I, honestly, I don't even remember. Well, rega- regardless, don't regardless, like they, they're just, they just so are, you know, percentage-wise ra- ratioed with the salaries with Russ and Harden, and then everybody else making like nothing, and then Gerald Green, who could maybe get some return, is hurt, and then PJ Tucker is kind of next. So PJ Tucker might be a, a, a casualty of that trade if it could happen, but I don't think it would happen. Yep. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm disagree with you, with you Kamiar. I. As much as he dislikes being in Cleveland and it seems like there's no reason for him to be there, they're also in a spot where there's no need to ship him off for nothing. If if teams are calling, lowballing them on offers, I think they'd rather stand pat and and deal with the, the drama of K-Love still being there and hoping that next season with one year, kind of like a Chris Paul, one year less of, of, uh, uh, of salary on his deal, I think that... I mean, they're not going to contend this year. They're probably not going to contend next year. Why give him up for no reason, you know? Yeah. I, I think I'm going to with you, Nick. I, I I wouldn't be surprised to see them wait until summer or, like you said, next next uh, season to see him get traded. I like it. It's uh, it's going to be interesting. I think I think I was calling. I think he's going to get moved. Uh, Taylor, you get the next one. John Wall will play NBA minutes before Klay Thompson will. Take it or leave it. This is a fun one because uh, both players have actually been seen um, looking more and more like themselves. I am leaving it. I think Klay Thompson is, if the Warriors weren't bad, I think he'd probably be able to make it back in time for playoffs. Um, He probably won't because, like I said, the Warriors are not very good. But uh, Fred Katz actually had something, I think it was yesterday, an interview with Scott Brooks who said that John Wall is has been doing some four-on-four type work, but it was what he called a controlled four-on-four, so not exactly full speed, 10-second shot clocks, stuff like that. I think that Clay is further along than John Wall, so I'm leaving that one. All right, Taylor, or sorry, not Taylor, Nick and Comier, do you guys agree with that? What if I say neither will play this year, they're both going to be playing 
game one of next season, so it's going to be a wash. That's it. Uh, yeah, that's, push it. That's fair. I see no reason for Clay to come back right now. And it's kind of count- counterintuitive to what they're yeah. trying to do, right? Which is just tank. And then um, I think that John Wall has a higher percentage of coming back than than Clay, and definitely a higher percentage amount of coming back than Andre Robertson, who's never going to play basketball Andre. again. <laughs> Poor Dre. Yeah. Poor it's Andre. Andre Poor Andre. Bad. The man is in Los Angeles, getting paid double digit million dollars while being together with Rachel Demida like literally <laughs> doing nothing. So don't tell me poor Dre. <laughs> yeah. Hey, his that's brother's fair. really nice. I've been covering him in the G but something that They I, look I, so similar. It's crazy. Something that I'm really like really really hoping is that some team is desperate for cap, uh, cap space next season or this season for or whatever going into free agency and they want his empty money. I think that's a possibility. You could trade uh, his expiring and like that Denver contract or that Denver first round pick. Because yep. after the cap spike, you know, expiring deals didn't mean anything. But now that all the money's dried up, expiring deals mean a lot again. Yep. It's fascinating. Nick, you get the next one. This one also a pretty straightforward one. Take it or leave it. Zion, who is making his debut this week, will score 20 plus points in his first NBA game. I'm going to leave it. I I mean, he clearly could if he was playing full minutes. However, I think they're going to be very, very cautious to start the game. We'll be playing back-to-backs. We, we discussed that a little bit earlier. Um, I think under a no-minutes restriction, he could easily score 20 in his debut. But realistically, I could see him playing 17 to 20 minutes in his first NBA game. Um, so I'm going to take I'm, – I'm, I'm going to leave it. Okay, give me a give me that. a point total then. I'm gonna You're say taking under twenty. What are you going with? I'm gonna say Zion plays sixteen minutes. He scores fourteen points, has six rebounds and four assists. Did you guys see Zion fall asleep on the bench again with the Clippers game the other day? That was pretty funny. Yeah, it's like his second or third it's one. Fantastic. Call me our Taylor. You agree with uh, with Nick leaving that one, thinking that Zion will score under 20 on his debut? Yes, if I, his I knees agree. don't get blown out because he's too fat to play basketball. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. All right, uh, Taylor, you get the next fat one. Julius Randall. This is a fun one. <laughs> the next one, Taylor, take it or leave it. Houston will get home court in the Western Conference playoffs. So basically a top four seed. They are currently sitting at sixth in the Western Conference, 2.5 games behind the fourth seed Utah Jazz. So this is not like recency bias because they have dropped in the standings. I'm still leaving it um, because I think that the Jazz are really starting to get it going. They're also getting Conley back. Um, obviously you have the Clippers and the Lakers playing well and then Denver up there at second in the West already. I think it's going to be really hard for them to crack that top four. So I think five or six is exactly where they'll, they'll land and end up. That's wild. And they are, there's also some trouble in uh, in good old H, H-Town right now. Not necessarily Man, so, chemistry, but just on-court chemistry. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. If they finish with a not-home-court seed, that means one of the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, or the Rockets – is going to lose in the first round. And I That's think for wild. all four of those teams, losing in the first round 
is 100% unacceptable and would lead to changes. Heads would definitely uh, come off in Houston. I kind of hope it's Houston that loses in the first round because those picks just keep looking sweeter and sweeter in that Chris Paul deal. So true. Comiar, take it or leave it. Andre Drummond will net Detroit a first-round pick when they trade him, uh, which looks like and, and it has been reported is going to happen before the deadline. He will be able to snag Detroit a first-round pick. You taking that or leaving it? It's a good question. Um, somebody that left us a review on the podcast said that we had unrealistic <laughs> trades for Andre Drummond, so this is for you, buddy. Um, <laughs> I think it would net a first-rounder. Again, look at the market for all these other players that have been traded so far. And if you need a legitimate center that can rebound the hell out of the ball, um, sure. Is he a starting caliber center? Yes, for now. Um, but yeah, I think he would get a first round pick. If Steven Adams would get a first round pick, I think Andre Drum would get a first round pick. I agree with what, that. What is your no affiliations uh, tied to this, no rooting interest tied to this? What team do you think Andre Drummond would fit best on? I don't know. A team that needs a center, maybe. So the Celtics, Atlanta, but Atlanta Golden doesn't make State? any sense. Golden, a healthy Golden State. And, uh, I don't know about that. Does he one. make sense with a with a Steph and a Clay? I don't think he does, but I think Julius Randle in place of uh, Draymond makes sense in in Golden State. Um, that's, that's a good you know oh, you know gosh, Draymond Drummond used to talk a whole lot of shit incredible. he's been real quiet this yeah because they so suck um, but every man can be humbled right I mean True. I don't know I think I think you know what you know I think Steven Adams would be really really good at Golden State but I don't want to talk about yeah, that I think Steven Adams would be really good anywhere Drummond like in Dallas that's kind of interesting with Luca and yeah because your four is is strictly a space out yeah four. but yep. then that would make Dallas the most that would make Dallas start to become the most un white team in the nba or the most what is it not how do i how non euro team yeah because like they only have like white guys on that team which is like really strange and weird um <laughs> it makes me kind of feel mildly uncomfortable um but yeah i don't think they're, they're I don't think that would chasing work. down utah god oh, yeah, i forgot about utah too uh yeah, but i don't know like West. a team that needs a center and we look at boston like of course but I think would a playoff team want Drummond? I mean, they of course would want Drummond, but what does a playoff team need his services other than maybe Boston? I think him on Boston, the salaries there's there's it's impossible to make that deal work. I think, but in Boston, it is interesting. It is really interesting. It's a good question. Yep. All right, Nick. Take it or leave it. The Golden State Warriors are going to get the number one overall pick in the NBA draft. They are currently tied for the worst record in the league. Uh, Golden State is at 10-34. and 34. Actually, they, they're at the worst record because Atlanta is currently 10-33. and 33. Goodness. I, uh, it's hard now with the different lottery odds and things like that. Just because you're the worst team doesn't mean you get it. Um, I'm gonna go leave it, just just because it's 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 the too hard to tell. I think I, I mean say, yep. I I think they'll be top five for sure, but I I can't go with number one, so I'm gonna leave it. All right, um, Nick, are you an NBA draft lottery conspiracy theorist? I I kind of am, honestly. <laughs> I love it. 
I love it. Um, that's why that's why the Pelicans got the number one overall pick that's because right. the league knew they were they had to trade away Anthony Davis. Wanted AD in LA. So, um, Taylor, you agree with that? Uh, is is Golden State not going to get the first round pick? Those are just such low odds. Or not the first round pick, but the first, oh, the first overall yeah, pick. It's, it's just it's really low odds. Um, but I'm with. I, I do think that they're obviously going to get a great draft pick. You also have to do, take into consideration um, Seth apparently coming back very beginning of March. So the target date they have set. That's going to decrease their odds at least some. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I agree with Nick. All right. Well, Taylor, you get the last one. All right. Uh, and and but the last one is also going to go to everybody. You other two will get a chance to answer this one as well. Sweet. Last, take it or leave it. The Oklahoma City Thunder will trade away two or more players. You're going to take that or leave it? I am going to leave it, um, which is crazy because I was the exact opposite here, even a month ago, maybe even a little less. Um, I think they will make a trade, which will involve a player, but. I, I don't see them trading away two players at this point. I, I, I don't think they will. Kamiar, what do you think? Two players or more? Uh, or two or more players. Take it or leave it. I'll say two. So take, I guess. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, you want to give us some names? Danilo Gallinari. Mm, can I give you three names? I mean, three names and, we, and then it's two of those three? Is that what you yeah. mean? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Danilo Gallinari, Dennis Schroeder, Terrence Ferguson. Deeper. That's it. I guess if you throw in like Andre Robertson, like we mentioned earlier, he's expiring. Like that's, yeah. I could see something like that. I happening. forget Andre Robertson's even on Same. the Same. He's dead True. to me. Uh, Nick, two or more players get traded. Taking it or leaving it? I'm going to take it. I, I think a trade will happen. I don't think it'll be a trade that anybody saw coming or a trade that anybody has fired up in their Twitter trade machines. But in any trade I mean it, it may not be two out of Chris Dennis Danilo um, Steve the guys that are kind of the big names it could be one of those guys and then just just another random like a Deontay uh, Burton a Deontay Burton or yeah exactly so I'm gonna I'm gonna take it just because any one trade could include two guys very good. Uh, I'm going to throw a bonus one in here, and oh, I want I'll all of all two. three of you to a answer sunny bonus at once. One? So, do what? Sunny bonus one. Yes. Uh, I'm going to give this one to you. I want all three of you to answer at the same time. You're just going to say take it or leave it as soon as I'm done with with the uh, the statement here. Literally as soon as you're done with it. Yeah, like I'm going to say it, and then as soon as I stop, I'll say go, and then okay. all three of you give your answer at the exact same time. This one's a loser. <laughs> Our guy, Lou, Lou Tanklan. I was going to ask this one. That's so funny. The Lou Gens legend, Lou Dort, gets bumped up to a full-time NBA contract by the end of this season. Take it or leave it. Go. Take it. Take, take it. He's better than he's better than Deontay Burton and maybe Nick better than Nick was Hamadou. like seriously 20 seconds behind him. <laughs> he's not better than oh, Hamadou Diallo, but I feel like this time next year he'll be a very intriguing prospect in the NBA, and he needs all of Deontay's minutes because he's a better defender. He's not afraid to shoot. Uh, he's not afraid to shoot when he's open. He makes the plays that are seemingly there, and I just like the way he wears out good offensive players like he wore down Donovan Mitchell. He wore down and really guarded the hell out of Damian Lillard. Um, he does a lot of things. I mean, and it helps that, A, he's a big muscle, but, B, 
he's very quick twitch and he moves his feet really well. So he's not gonna. And he gets skinny over screens like Ferguson does, but at a much larger mass than Ferguson is, so, which right. is very. I'm surprising excited to, to see me. what year two has for him, just like Darius Baisley. Definitely. And it's interesting how much um, him and Deontay Burton's situation last season kind of mirror each other. You know, another guy on a two-way who was able to come in and provide a huge spark. The Thunder had an open available roster spot that they kept open, and until the trade deadline, nothing really happened with it. And so they end up signing Deontay and rewarding him, uh, giving him that full spot. Very similar situation for Lou, uh, as the Thunder still have an open roster spot right now. Deontay's falling out of love with the game, so might as well put Lou in there. True. What if I told you Deontay Burton was five or six years older than Lou Dort? That makes you think, yeah. holy crap, this crazy. Yeah. This guy is a bit more valuable than the other. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. That's why I think that's why that's why I'm baffled every time they put Deontay in the game because Lou can play really positions on defense anyway. He can play positions one through four because uh, yep. he's so bulky and he has enough muscle. Um, and so, like any minute that Deontay spends on the court. In place of Lou Dort, I think you're still stymieing his uh, his growth on this team. And um, so, especially with Chris Paul out there to help him and a lot of other guys, I think that he needs to be in place of Deontay's minutes. It just it makes sense for the future of the squad. Deontay's not going to be in the NBA next year. Um, it just Lou's an NBA rotation guy going forward. Um, it, he just needs to take the minutes. Yep. I'm with you guys. It's... Uh... Lou has been injured recently. He hasn't been playing G League games due to a right knee injury. Uh, obviously, that is taken care of because he played in Oklahoma City last night. But it's going to be interesting to see his development moving forward. Uh, guys, so here at the end of the podcast, we always do a wrapping it up segment, something random, non-basketball related that's just kind of fun to talk about to finish this bad boy out. This week, I have an interesting one for you guys. So a few days ago, I heard a snippet from a podcast with Bill Simmons on The Ringer. He had my personal favorite movie director, Quentin Tarantino, on. And Tarantino said that the role of Jules in Pulp Fiction was originally offered to Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne is the guy from The Matrix. Originally offered to him, uh, but he and his representation turned it down. So Quentin Tarantino then offered the role of Jules to Samuel L. Jackson instead. And after doing that, it it kind of changed the course of a lot of things uh, and ended up getting Sam Jackson a spot in Die Hard 3 rather than letting Lawrence Fishburne get that spot. And so it kind of changed the trajectory because they had to, to cast a new actor in place for this character. So my question for you guys to wrap it up, what is a role in a movie that if the actor was changed, it would completely change that movie and maybe film history? Oh, that's tough. I've got a really good one. Okay, I'm ready for so, it. Like, I'm setting the bar really high for you guys, okay? Yeah. Um, have you guys seen the movie The Boy in the Striped Pajamas? Oh, yes. yeah. Super sad. Okay. So you guys know, you guys know the character named Schmoll, right? Yep. And for those that are listening, uh, the movie The Boy in the Striped Pajamas is based heavily off of the Holocaust. Um, I think it, I can't remember which, is it Auschwitz-Birkenau or whatever it is. And anyways, this little German boy befriends a a boy, a Jewish boy in the concentration camp. And um, of course, things 
get interesting from there. I'm not going to ruin the movie. Um, uh, of course, the the kid, the the German boy doesn't know. Bruno doesn't know about the whole situation going on because, of course, a history person. He's a child. That he's a child, and they, of course, the German government kept it secret. But anyways, what if he took Schmoll, the little um, boy that befriended Bruno, and instead of making him a little boy in a Jewish concentration camp, replaced him with... Um, you replaced him with, uh, oh, I just lost his name. Man, now that upsets me. <laughs> <laughs> I know his name. Oh, Sylvester, Stall- Sylvester Stallone, and he plays Rambo instead. Oh. What the <laughs> hell? That took a turn. I kind of like it. There's no dying um, here, buddy. <laughs> so so um, one that actually happened, this one, thinking about this one blows my mind constantly. Inglorious Bastards, one of my top five, top five favorite movie of all time for me. I absolutely love Inglorious Bastards. Movie. Originally, Arriba Brad Dirty. Pitt. <laughs> Brad Pitt was originally cast as Hans, the SS soldier that Christoph Waltz plays, the creepy villain, but also kindly, like oddly kind. Yes, yeah. Brad Pitt was originally cast as that guy, and then. They decided to shift him over to play Lieutenant Aldo Rain instead because Christoph Waltz could already do the lines in German German, and French where Brad Pitt was trying to learn uh, those lines in those languages. So, So they switched him over instead. To me... I don't know how you could ever do Inglorious Bastards and not have Brad Pitt as Lieutenant Alden. Bongiorno. So Isn't it weird to think that films are that fluid that they're like, well, I mean, since we already got this guy, we're just going to shift you over to this spot because we have you like signed for this movie. I think it's odd that they, they just kind of do that. Like like an NBA team's like, oh, well, we have this guy here that he can do that. So we're just going to push you to the four instead of the three. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's fascinating, right? Like the, the moving pieces behind it. Uh, anybody else have a good... Uh, switch the actors in a role or actresses in a role. I really like how we I've... use Nazis in both of our movies. <laughs> yes. Really you, you know who the two history teachers on the podcast yeah, are. So true. I've I've got a non-Nazi one, and it's kind of a, a switch that's not actor to actor. But what if... I, I don't know if I'm okay with non-Nazi ones. Non-Nazi. <laughs> what if we had Mason Ramsey playing Home Alone? Oh my gosh! Mason Ramsey playing who? That kid would get stolen and from never Home heard from oh, again. Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Really Does funny. Mason Ramsey end up being a drug addict at the at the end of the day? <laughs> oh, Jesus I don't know. It, it, it would be a, it'd be a fun movie watching watching Mason Ramsey play that role. Well, like that's a, that's a good one, Nick. I like that one. That's good. Oh God, that kid would get stolen in the first ten minutes of the movie. <laughs> the credits start rolling 15 minutes in dude home alone like the whole the whole plot of the movie like it's stupid right but like the last 30 minutes of the movie where macaulay colgan is like setting up all these traps for these idiots to, like run through is yeah. still like fantastic and great tv i watch True. that and laugh like a kid every time it's good. Hey, another Home Alone one. What if in Home Alone two, instead of a Donald Trump cameo, cameo, we got a cameo. You know, I thought whatever. you were saying my name. I was really confused. <laughs> instead of a Donald Trump cameo, they had Rambo. <laughs> we get a Barack Obama cameo. How old was Barack? Was he was he still smoking weed in college? 
Probably. He was, he was still like, over in Kenya. Okay, okay. Okay. <laughs> hey, that was a joke, everybody. <laughs> I didn't even think we need to say that publicly. It was a joke. <laughs> uh, Taylor, you got one? <laughs> that was a joke. That's why I did the redneck voice. I apologize. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. <laughs> I was uh, just off recency bias just thinking of movies I've recently watched uh, and like the Joker for example trying to find like just an actor crazy enough to play the Joker I'm the Joker baby <laughs> what about uh, like Nick Cage playing the Joker oh god speaking of <laughs> oh my god National Treasure that's 3. insane <laughs> yeah. oh hell yes yeah. I'm so excited what's he gonna steal yeah. this time the president oh, oh he, did, he did that in National Treasure 2 Oh, yeah, and and he did that number one as well. He's didn't gonna he? steal the president's dog <laughs> this time. There's a map on his belly. Oh, um, I like that one a lot, Taylor. And actually, <laughs> when we're done with this podcast, I think I'm going to watch the Joker for the first time. Oh, there you go. Because uh, it's because cool. it's out to rent. So you haven't seen the so, Joker. I have not seen the Joker. Oh my gosh, it's so good. I've been watching Aaron Hernandez's documentary and seeing how weird and how many strange turns that has taken instead. But so, who should we recast for Aaron Hernandez in the documentary? <laughs> uh, hold on, hold on. Taylor Peterson. Oh God! Yeah. If, if you've seen the documentary, I don't know if that would make a lot of sense. Um. <laughs> Let's say I would I would cast as Aaron Hernandez in the documentary, it, like as like Antonio Brown. <laughs> uh, no, he's he's got some CTE too, though, because that guy's some. He's all kinds of messed up. Give so me cool. a give me Bill Hader. It would be funny, like Bill a, or like, Hader, like a dark comedy of sorts. That is good. And somewhat the plot of his show on uh, on a, uh, HBO, yeah, yep. where they were both actually killers. So that kind of makes sense. Very. Yep. Yeah. Here's a fun one. What if in the new, the newest Star Wars trilogy that just ended, instead of the girl that plays Rey, we got Gal Gadot in that spot instead? Oh, she's the girl that plays Wonder Woman. Yes, sure. You've got to thank for her if I don't, if I don't, if I'm not wrong here. Yeah, Jacob does. It's kind of strange. I feel uncomfortable. She is beautiful. Who who is your guys' first? uh, I know know, this is getting away from basketball, but that's okay. Uh, Who's your guys' first celebrity crush? Oh man, mine was Anne Hathaway. I watched Princess Diaries a million times <laughs> growing up. That's awesome. That's a great movie. And then the Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> I'm not embarrassed. Um, God, that's a good question. I know. Mine's I, I, mine's not a movie. Eva Longoria, Desperate Housewives. Oh yeah, true. Ooh, that's okay. That makes man. sense. Though. Oh, I don't know, man. I, I yeah. Taylor Taylor just always envisioned his wife yelling about him at the yelling at him at the, about the laundry <laughs> mid podcast. Uh, uh, I'm trying to today. think. <laughs> I don't I don't know who my first celebrity crush would have been. Okay, well, never mind then. Just me. Like and I Nick. don't have someone that like immediately just like jumps to mind. Well, I guess me and Nick's childhood was more focused on understanding what we liked. So I was trying to understand why she was with Tony Parker at the time. <laughs> Yeah, he looks like TP. a pug. <laughs> like the dog. <laughs> he, he does. That's really funny. Hey, you, as soon as we're you, done podcasting, Kamiar, will you just tweet a side-by-side of Tony Parker and a pug without context <laughs> so people won't get it until they listen to the podcast? Do you want me to do it from my account? Yeah. 
Or you can do it from the We're in the middle account. of Either recording, way. and this is like we're not recording, so I feel like I'm living in a weird world right now. <laughs> Off the record. <laughs> you should tweet it. All right. Well, speaking of, um, let's let's end this recording before we go any more off the rails because we've already said some pretty stupid stuff uh hey thank you guys so much for checking out the podcast um little behind the scenes peak january has been an incredible month for the uncontested and that is all thanks to you guys who download our podcast who listen to us who interact with us on social media whether that be twitter uh reddit facebook instagram whatever we are incredibly excited about the direction this podcast is going and we have you guys to thank for that so we just want you to know that we greatly appreciate you if this is your first time checking out the podcast we would highly encourage you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts at because we drop a podcast a a group podcast like this every monday morning and then a podcast after every oklahoma city thunder game we have about 30 minute breakdown pods for every game so Make sure you're getting those downloaded straight to your device and go ahead and subscribe. While you're there, leave a five-star rating for us. That'd be greatly appreciated. You can also find us, like I mentioned, on social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Uh, We don't have an official Reddit account, but Taylor's on Reddit interacting with you guys. So make sure you follow us. Check us out there. Also check out our podcast network, Blue Wire Podcasts. Uh, It's an awesome podcast network with tons of NBA and NFL podcasts. I want to listen to those NFL ones with the Super Bowl on the way. So thank you guys again for checking us out. We will be back with you tomorrow night, Monday. And buy a Lutang Clan shirt, man. Oh, yeah. I forgot to totally even mention that. SGA and Lutang Clan shirts. You can find those at designtree.com. That's D-S-G-N-T-R-E-E, I think. I think that tree is spelled normal. I'm wearing mine. It's so comfy, man. Yeah, I wore my SGA shirt to the game the other night, and it was it was awesome. It was incredible. So make sure you go check those out as well. You can find those links on our Twitter accounts. We'll be back with you tomorrow after the Thunder's matinee against Russell Westbrook and the Houston Rockets. Until then, you guys have a great Martin Luther King Day. And as always, Thunder up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.